Happy Easter, Mountaineer Nation. You are listening to the Golden Blue Nation podcast. On Easter Sunday here, we are joining you from Monongalia County Ballpark following Game 3 of this weekend's Big 12 series between WVU and Number 5 Oklahoma State. Of course, you're listening to the Golden Blue Nation podcast brought to you by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawFirm.com. Ryan Decker, Sam Coniglio joining you here from the ballpark. And Sam, an interesting three-game series that we just watched all weekend long i think the end result of this weekend series about what most people expected the way we got to that end result though especially the way we got there on sunday different than what we had seen surely through the first two days but i think different than what we thought maybe coming into the series as well yeah it was very unpredictable three games in a way um contrary to the fact that you know everybody thought that it would be a one and two series for west virginia but Friday's game was a nail-biter. Saturday's game had a lot of wrinkles to it that made it interesting. And then Sunday was kind of an anomaly for West Virginia. Um, but regardless, it was, it was a great weekend of baseball, and here we are sitting overlooking Wagner Field on a beautiful Easter Sunday. That is very true. So, yeah, if, if you didn't get to come out to the ballpark at all this series, first of all, you missed a great series, uh, maybe other than, than the first part of Sunday's game. Uh, but set Friday and Saturday were fantastic baseball games to watch, especially if, you, if you're just a fan of baseball in general. Great games to watch. Friday's game, a true pitcher's duel, just, two, just three runs in that game scored Two by Oklahoma State, one by West Virginia. The Cowboys pick up a 2-1 to one win in that pitcher's duel. You saw certainly one starter for Oklahoma State who will be in a major league organization at some point. Jacob Waters certainly has the potential with his arm. We saw a lot of radar guns out here on Friday night. Saturday, West Virginia came back to even up the series on Saturday, a 5-2, to two, really, I think, a commanding win for the Mountaineers. Another really good start out of Ben Hampton. Then the bullpen once again comes in and does great work on Saturday for WVU. And the bats kind of came alive on Saturday as well. You had McGuire Holbrook hit a home run, and Nathan Blasick hit a big home run, something that we saw again on Sunday as Blasick goes yard two times in two days for the Mountaineers. Unfortunately, though, for West Virginia, Sunday's blast by Blasick, by Blasick I should say, was their first hit of the ball game. It came in the fifth inning, and that was, for all intents and purposes, pretty much all the offense you got out of West Virginia. And West Virginia ended up scoring three runs on Sunday on just three hits, the the loudest one being the Blasic home run. But Sam, we, you know, we saw a true pitcher's duel Friday, saw kind of a back and forth, but a pretty much a commanding contest, I would say, by WVU on Saturday and then certainly Sunday, just owned by Oklahoma State. Yeah, let's let's start with Friday. That that first of all, fantastic crowd. Yeah. Thirty two hundred people, almost thirty three hundred people showed up. It was a one of the I think it was the eighth of the ninth, seventh, seventh biggest crowd, seventh largest crowd for a WVU game in Mon County ballpark history. Unreal crowd, a lot of radar guns, a lot of eyes on yeah. that ball game, um, and and WVU had had a great showing on 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 both ends. Um, you look at a two one scoreline. If you're just reading the box score, you think, well, nobody was really hitting the ball, but. WVU was kind of hitting the cover off the ball. They obviously didn't have any homers or anything. They only scored one run. But the, the story of their game was just some one one minor miscue, one minor, one major miscue on the base pass, and a lot of guys left at third base. There were, they had so many chances to bring home the tying run and the winning run, really. 
um, but just unable to uh, get the guy home in third. The one miscue I'm, I'm referring to, of course, is when McGuire Holbrook was sent home in the sixth of the seventh inning. Um, he was sent home, thrown out easily on the plate, at the plate. Braden Barry, who had the uh, potentially RBI double, made it to third base with one out. WVU just couldn't get that sack fly right. to get him home. That would have been their first run. They ended up scoring in the next inning, but they couldn't. It was just a minor hump they couldn't get over. Oklahoma State starter Justin Campbell, really good in Friday. Seven innings, six hits, no runs allowed. The only run that West Virginia did score came against uh, the first reliever out of the bullpen for Oklahoma State. But you were right. I mean, all throughout that game, West Virginia had chances. Justin Campbell, a guy, though, that certainly it was our first time seeing him this year. Oklahoma State fans certainly know this, I think, about as well as anybody. Seems like any time that the moment got a little bit bigger or the moment got brighter, the more he settled in and really kind of honed into what he was doing. He got better throughout that entire game. Justin Campbell did a guy that I think we'll certainly see at the next level. For sure. But but Saturday, Sam, you know, kind of the, the, the different story was that West Virginia was finally able to come through in a couple of clutch moments. Yeah, that, that that was a wild game in itself. Uh, you had everything. You had, a, you had a rainstorm during the game. Yeah. You had a 10-minute rain delay where there barely was any rain because the whole storm went on during the game. But <laughs> – um, yeah, Ben Hampton was was the starter in that game, and he he gave a he didn't get a quality start, but he had a very good start. Very good start. I, I made a joke in the press box <laughs> afterwards. You know, somebody asked, "Did he have a quality start?" And I said, "Is there a stat for pretty good start? Pretty good. Yeah, five and a third, only two earned runs. He did get his pitch count up, but that's because he's playing against one of the best offensive teams in the country. Um, and then, of course, you know, the on, on the other end." WVU hung five runs on, on Oklahoma State and, and ran their Saturday starter, Victor Medeiros, off the mound after four uh, four innings. Um, just a quality game from West Virginia. And if you're looking at this series, West Virginia held one of the best offenses, certainly in the Big 12 and if not the country, in Oklahoma State to just two runs each Friday and Saturday. So four runs total to the first two games. If you're West Virginia coming into Sunday's series finale, you're thinking, okay, We've done a really good job limiting Oklahoma State's lineup throughout this series so far. If we can just keep repeating those same, uh, th- those same things, th- those same executions, we've got a really good chance on Sunday. The problem was West Virginia was in a five nothing hole before they even stepped to the plate on Sunday. Yeah, and and again, this is one of those instances where if you look at the box score, you, you can get a wrong picture of what happened. It looks like Zach Bravo had a. Tough outing. Obviously, he did. He gave up three home runs in the first inning. That's not a good stat to have as a pitcher. But that inning could have been totally different if if there wasn't an error made by uh, Mikey Kluska in that frame, and it, everything just kind of fell apart from there. Um, Bravo kind of lost his head, and we've seen him do that, and uh, especially last week, you know, when he, we, he had a no header going but gave up five runs regardless um but you know if that if that first inning didn't happen if that error didn't happen and if he just didn't misplace those pitches you don't know where that that game would have gone but it ended up being one of the worst losses in Mon County ballpark history for WVU yeah you wonder how different this game is for WVU and for Oklahoma State as well if that ground ball to second base is fielded cleanly get the double play it certainly looked like that's what you were going to get you wonder how different this game becomes however Instead, you get a walk to start the inning, uh, a fielding error, 
a sack fly, then a home run, strikeout. So Bravo's one out away from ending the inning at that point. But then home run, home run, ground out does finally end the inning. But three home runs there in the first just kind of turned this game upside down. And at that point, you know, Randy Mazie said after the game, his guys were ready to play, and it's not like they stopped fighting after the, the top of the first inning because certainly you've got nine at-bats left, 27 outs left to go if you're WVU at that point. But it, it does kind of deflate you a little bit. I think just human nature uh, kind of tells you, man, you, you give up five runs in the first inning. It, it's just a little deflating. The, the air just kind of came out of the balloon, so to speak. Yeah, and at the same time, you know, it's, it's the manner in which those runs were scored. It's one thing if, if you go single, double, double, single, you know, just do it kind of the old-fashioned way. But three home runs in the third one by Griffin Dorshing, that one landed on University Town Center Drive. It went over 400 feet. And he's, he's a big dude. He could be playing a linebacker for Mike Gundy. Yes, he could. Um, he's an intimidating guy, and uh, it, it just kind of kills the energy. And at the same time, you know, the, I was standing on the, the first baseline for the first part of that game, and – you could kind of tell from the start that the energy was a little different. Um, there was a you know, difference in the energy from the Oklahoma State dugout and the West Virginia dugout. Now, it kind of seems like West Virginia, their mantra is, you know, speak softly and carry a big stick. Sure. Unfortunately, today was not the big stick day. But, man, Oklahoma State was letting Bravo have it the entire time. Um, they, were, they were chirping him pretty hard. and. When you give up three homers and you kind of have that in your ear, it's it's tough to get that energy back. And then on the other side of that coin, Bryce Osmond, the Oklahoma State starter, you don't even get to come on the field yet, and you're already up by five. Certainly a big confidence boost, and he used that confidence boost uh, to his credit. Bryce Osmond, the Oklahoma State starter, goes six and two-thirds innings, just allowing three hits, three runs, struck out 11, did Bryce Osmond, and he had a no-hitter going until Nathan Blasick's home run there in the, uh, in the fifth inning. And, I mean, Bryce was just... Again, kind of the way Ben Hampton was on Saturday, the way that Justin Campbell was on Friday, the starting pitcher that was in command of these games in the series, that team won the games in these in these series. As big as the offensive and the lineups were in, in this series, this three-game set, starting pitching kind of ruled the day. Yeah, 11 strikeouts really tells the story there. He, he was he was pretty tough to hit for West Virginia. Um, and, and I mean, they just couldn't get back, get that energy back. And he, he, he kind of slammed the door shut in the first inning. <laughs> well, we'll get into more where the series leaves WVU here coming up in a little bit, but Sam wanted to touch on, as we have to, with every podcast we do have, want to touch on stolen base notes, because there's something that I think we need to, I guess, correct ourselves on, at least here in this forum, that, that we've kind of been saying here throughout this season, and then talk about what that all means historically. So let, let's get this out of the air. Clear a bit of confusion, maybe. Per the media guide, it said, in, in one place in the media guide, it shows that in 1964, West Virginia stole 155 bases. It turns out that's a misprint. And in another section of the media guide where it says that the 1986 number of uh, 114 stolen bases in a single season that is the correct number. So that we we kind of been going on on that 1964 number. We cleared that confusion on Saturday. So on Saturday, West Virginia by sealing seven bases in that game sets the program record, still with 20 plus games to go, of 115 and counting steals in a single season. Just, just a great accomplishment. And 
the guy to set that record, set an individual record while stealing that same base, Victor Scott, 30 stolen bases and counting on the season. That is an individual program record for the Mountaineers. Two records go down and one stolen base on Saturday for Victor Scott and WVO. Yeah, Vet kind of doubled it there, didn't he? He really did, yeah. Um, and and that was that was a pretty awesome thing to watch. Ryan, you, you were standing with the Tucker family. You got to see Tevin Tucker steal the program record tying The base. tying one, yeah. Um, and then Vic <laughs> stole second unopposed mm-hmm. um, and, and got the record. Uh, that That's kind of how this team has been playing. They didn't steal any bases on Sunday. Um, but you know, even, even against some of the best teams are going to be able to steal bases, seven, seven steals against Oklahoma state. That's, that's a remarkable number. Yeah. You mentioned no stolen bases on Sunday. So West Virginia is still at 115 and counting on the year. Hopefully we'll see them be able to run a little bit more rampant against Pittsburgh on Tuesday at PNC park. But I mean, 115 stolen bases this year, 30 by Victor Scott, the second alone. And then you've got more than 20 for Austin Davis this year, and you've got also Tevin Tucker who's stolen bases. And we've gone through this list before of guys on this WVU team who have stolen a bunch of bases this year. Um, it, it, it's it's as we've we've said throughout this season, their ability to get on base and change a game with their athleticism and their speed and the threat of that speed. That's what kept. I, I, at least in my opinion, that's what kept the first two games of this series really interesting was that as long as it didn't get out of hand like it did on Sunday, unfortunately, this series was going to be really interesting, really entertaining because of what WVU can do on the base paths. Yeah, they're going to just kind of steal runs that way. They, for, for example, that Tucker's steal to tie the record, it wasn't for naught. It wasn't for show. He eventually scored off yeah. of that steal. Um, I, I don't remember if Victor eventually scored off of his, but I mean, yeah, this is what this roster is built to do, and it, it mimics the former style of play of, of the manager, Randy Maisie. And in fact, the next uh, record that Victor and now Austin are chasing is, is the Randy Maisie record. Yeah. He ran for 34 bases, stolen bases, in uh, 1988 when he was playing for Clemson. Um, so that's that's the next record they're chasing. Victor's only four away from that. So we could, heck, we could see that on Tuesday. We, if, it's very possible. If, yeah, it's, he's he's stolen four bases in a game before. Um, if not, it's it's possible. We'll see it by the end of next weekend. But you know that that's what this team's built to do, and they're good at it. And and um, it's it it definitely changes the tide of a lot of baseball games you say this team that's what this team is built to do and they're good at it they are extremely good at it and all these guys that we've mentioned so far victor scott austin davis tevin tucker they're all not only climbing up the list of you know on an individual single season standpoint but also individual career standpoint they're all climbing up those lists as well so again stolen bases it'll be a talking point no matter what golden blue nation baseball version podcast we're going to be doing here throughout the rest of the season still again 20 plus games to go in this season and postseason action as well we'll see where those statistical uh, final totals lie at the end of this season but now let's transition here to where this series leaves wvu and if you're listening here we're coming to you on easter sunday following Oklahoma State's win over WVU in the series finale here at Montegalia County Ballpark. You're listening to the Golden Blue Nation podcast, and thank you for listening to the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Ryan Decker, Sam Caniglio here with you. Sam, 
WVU now 6-3 and three in Big 12 Conference play this year. That puts them three wins behind Oklahoma State in the conference standing. So they, uh, they being WVU, sole possession of second place in the Big 12. But another tough series on the horizon for WVU at Texas Tech next weekend. Based on what we've seen so far, Sam, three Big 12 series in for WVU and at least four for every other team in this conference. Uh, just simply put, where does this series leave? WVU and our expectations maybe for what's to come for WVU. Well, uh, I think it maintains my personal ex- expectations that they're they're one of those middle to top tier teams, mm-hmm. one of those f- kind of a, a gatekeeper team, if you will. Um, it showed they can really compete with not only the best in the conference, but the best in the country. O- Oklahoma State's the top five team nationally. Not only are they the top team in the conference. Um, next week, they face Texas Tech, who just got beat in a series by TCU, who WVU beat in a series. Mm-hmm. You know, so anything can go. Anything can go for West Virginia in this series, uh, and and they're here to compete. As Angelica Trinone always says, baseball in the Big 12 is bonkers, and that's exactly what it's been. You, you just kind of summed it up there, but for those who weren't paying attention to the rest of the Big 12 this weekend, Texas Tech, who is West Virginia's next opponent, just pulled off a sweep or I'm sorry, was just swept by TCU, who WVU a couple weekends ago took two of three from in Dallas-Fort Worth. So, I mean, it's a, it's a once again, this Big 12 conference, these teams just beat up on each other all year long, and it keeps R- RPI and conference standings really interesting and fluid throughout the year. West Virginia, actually, depending on what you're looking at, in D1 baseball's RPI rankings had moved up to 37 prior to play on Sunday. We'll see how far they move post-play on Sunday, of course. But, you know, West Virginia, the last couple weeks have really improved their standing in the RPI, no matter which RPI metric you're looking at. And getting some help as well, Pitt played well over the last couple days. And if you can sneak a win against Pitt in PNC Park coming up on Tuesday, that'll help out the RPI. But I'm kind of with you. I think this series still leaves West Virginia in a really good place. You know, it's I think a lot of people coming into this series, as we said off the top, thought that it'd be great if West Virginia could get at least one of these three games. It's even better if you get two. You got the one. It's the way that last one, Sunday's game, got away from you that just leaves this series kind of kind of a little sour in the mouths of WVU fans. But all in all, this series played out kind of how a lot of people who follow college baseball thought this series was going to play out. I think it leaves West Virginia in a really good place, honestly. Yeah, it's just that's kind of where the difference lies between WVU and and the top of the country is that consistent, can they survive a three-game series? You know, they lost Friday, but it was was a nail-biter. It was a close Mm -hmm. game. They could have won if, if the ball just bounced a couple of different ways. Saturday, they won pretty handedly. Sunday was a handed loss. Right. So, you know, that's that's going to be the, the question as they play Texas Tech next weekend and then eventually Texas. Um, but, you know, Texas Tech, they, they feature some of the best players in the conference again. Um, I, I don't think they're quite – they may be the better team uh, than Oklahoma State, but I don't think they're quite as top-to-bottom consistent. So there are some there are some holes you can exploit there, but at the same time, they feature probably the best pro, one of the best pro, pro prospects in the country, Jace Jung, who is one of the best hitters in the country. Mm-hmm. Was looking back through the WVU schedule here, Randy Mazie has talked a lot this season about how 
West Virginia really hasn't played a lot of bad games this season. You have to go more than a month back to find the last time WVU lost by more than three runs in a ball game. That was March 11th in one of those games in the doubleheader against Ohio State. That was the last time WVU lost by more than three runs, so that's more than a month ago. And looking at what WVU has done this season, too, this is just uh, their third loss at home this year, Sam. WVU 11-3 at home, 11-9 and elsewhere when they're playing on the diamond this year. So just some interesting notes there. We talk about, you know, if you break everything down into a three-game series, no matter where that series is played, you got to win. But based on what WVU has done so far this year, being at home has been, been really nice being away from home has been kind of a grab bag of, of what you're going to get as far as end result goes. Yeah, and, and what's kind of well, what's kind of interesting about that, in my opinion, is their only away conference series they won. Yeah, um, they they kind of struggled piecemeal, piecemealing some stuff in the beginning. That Campbell series in in March probably should have gone their way. Again, that's another one of those. The ball should have bounced couple of different ways and if they made a couple of different plays then they would have come back to West Virginia with a series win um, but then again you know they have some disappointing losses as well against teams like Pitt which we'll get to that in a little bit because that, that's their next opponent again away from home um, so I think again we we spoke it was a talking point in the beginning of the season where West Virginia has traditionally been a second-half team. So we're kind of seeing that now. They started very strong in the first half, but now they're really starting to put wins together, generally speaking. Obviously, this weekend is not necessarily the best example of that, even though they did win on Saturday. But um, you know that's kind of been the difference between this West Virginia team and others, is that they, they've been able to kind of get a stronger first half, despite... Uh, a lot of losses away from home. So you, you mentioned that WVU's only played one conference series away from Wagner Field at Monongalia County Ballpark. That's going to change here very quickly as looking at the upcoming schedule for WVU. At PNC Park against Pittsburgh on Tuesday, April 19th, definitely a game that Mountaineer fans should come out and see. Short drive up from Morgantown, of course, to Pittsburgh. And just a great, great game. And again, Randy Maisie brought up a really good point post game on Sunday that, you know, the, these WVU players, they get to stand in the same batter's box that guys like a Barry Bonds, guys like a, a Juan Soto, uh, Alex Rodriguez, Albert Pujols have stood in for the pitchers, Mariano Rivera. Justin Verlander, guys like that have pitched on that pitcher's mound. Dirt's a little bit different at this point, but you know it, it's it's just a very cool thing to be able to say you've been on the same mound and the same batter's box as some of the greatest who have ever played this game. Moving past that, though, WVU going to hit the road again at Texas Tech next weekend for a three-game set. We'll return home to play Penn State uh, in two Tuesdays from now, and then on the road again two weekends from now, April 29th through May 1st, against Kansas. So they've only played one road conference series so far, but it's going to change very quickly. And, and a couple interesting tests. Texas Tech was entering conference play, probably the best performing team in the Big 12. They've cooled off a little bit here in Big 12 play. That's an interesting series for both of these teams. That's going to be a good, I think, a yardstick series for both of these teams to see. If Texas Tech, as real as a lot of people thought they were at the beginning of the season, 
And is West Virginia ready to take that next step? And then following that, Kansas, it's one of those weekend series. you got to win at least two, but you really want three. Texas Tech is going to be mad after this past weekend. That's for sure. And, and they're notorious chirpers. I mentioned how Oklahoma State was able to kind of you know, exploit some of those some, some of those mental you know, issues when they're down five runs. They, they really got a hold of WVU. Texas Tech is even worse when it comes to that, and they're going to be mad. They're going to be mad after getting swept. So that, that's going to be yardstick in the sense that they really need to make, get that mental toughness going when they're on the road playing a top-10 team, pitching against some of the best talent in the country. Yeah, and Texas Tech is going to be on the road once again on Tuesday playing at New Mexico before returning home to play against West Virginia. So hopefully Texas Tech, the Red Raiders, can take a little bit of that anger out on New Mexico. But I, I agree with you. They're going to have some built-up frustration from the last couple of Big 12 weekend series uh, for them, built up coming into next weekend against WVU. Speaking of next weekend, Sam, one last thing that I think we need to cover before we sign off here on the latest edition of the Gold Blue Nation podcast, the Sunday starter role. Is that back to being a question mark following Sunday's performance? As we've mentioned uh, here today, you know, not everything that happened today, of course, goes on Zach. Uh, you know, a couple errors did not help his cause in this game. But is that Sunday starter roll back to an open competition? Maybe is Carlson Reed maybe done enough here recently to get back into that role, or do we see Randy Maisie kind of go with Zach Bravo once again next Sunday against Texas Tech, and then maybe evaluate from there? You know, I think I think uh, Randy's going to sleep on that one, to be honest with you, because Zach's starts have been – he was undefeated coming into this in terms of decisions. He was 3-0. Sunday was his first loss. Um, but, again, he had some unique stat lines um, where he, he never – he wasn't one of the guys that could give you 100 pitches in a game. He wasn't going to go six or seven innings. Um so it's 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 very it's it's an interesting question because then you have guys like Chris Sleeper and Carlson Reed who uh, Carlson gave WVU three innings and allowed two runs. He had a pretty good outing, you know, two runs, and when he's already down five, that's a that's a tough situation to step into, and he's all the the coaching staff has always been high on him. Then you have Sleeper who. Again, was a pretty solid starter. Never had a start quite this bad um, when he was a starter earlier in the season, but he has come in and become one of the best bullpen arms for WVU. He closed out this Friday game. He, he didn't didn't need any other help besides Chris Sleeper on Friday. Um, so you know there are a lot. Of, I, I think there are a lot of question marks when it comes to Sunday. If if I were a betting man, then I would say Zach's going to still start on Sunday, but. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody else gets that nod. Just looking at Zach Bravo's last couple starts on the mound, if you go back to February 29th against Marshall, obviously it's way back at the start of the season, but February 29th for Zach Bravo, six innings pitched, three hits, no runs allowed in a start, then went a little bit more than a month before he started another contest, which he did again on the road at TCU, a much different opponent. WVU ended up... Uh, Winning that game, yes, five innings pitched, four hits allowed, just two runs. That was a game that he pitched five innings, and Trey Braithwaite came in and closed the door for WVU in a, in a big series win on a Sunday. But then more recently, 
Zach Bravo, a no decision last weekend against Baylor in a game that he gave up five runs without allowing a hit, which is still a baseball statistical oddity that you might only see once or twice in your life. So I guess we were glad to be here to see that, that that rare statistical feat. Uh, And and then today, five runs allowed once again in, in the first inning. And for, for Zach Bravo, pulling up the stats right now, you have one inning, five runs, three hits. Only two of those runs were earned in a, just one strikeout in, in that one inning of work. So, you know, certainly a roller coaster of starts here this year for Zach Bravo. You, you just wonder if he's back in that Sunday roll come next weekend. Yeah, I, I think, you know, this is also one of those cases where baseball just kind of works itself out. Um like I said earlier, he, he was 3-0 heading into this game. Last weekend, like you mentioned, a no-hitter, four innings, five earned runs. Um, t- today might have just kind of been a little overcompensation from the baseball gods. You don't really know. Um, that's kind of poor analysis, but his it's really tough to break down his, his workload so far because yeah. it's so bizarre, quite frankly. But, um, yeah, t- today's – Showing definitely opens the door for a new guy on Sunday, next Sunday. And that answer, of course, remains to be seen. We will come back to you on next Sunday with that answer here on another edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast, baseball edition. But for now, that, uh, that'll that do it for us here at Montegale County Ballpark. Ryan Decker, Sam Coniglio here with you. Make sure to stay up to date with us online, on social, and on TV as well, where we'll be keeping you updated on the WVU baseball team throughout the spring with the daily Mountaineer Minutes. And on the website, goldenbluenation.com. And as always, on the free Gold and Blue Nation app on your favorite Apple or Android devices. For Sam Coniglio, Ryan Decker here. This has been the latest edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast, brought to you by Print and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawFirm.com.